You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Good morning. Uh, Never had to compete with a baby before, but um, it's like 50-50 right now. I feel like I'm, I'm... I barely have a barely slight lead, but everybody else is checking out new baby, which is fair. Baby wins. I'll, I'll give it to him. Um, we're in the middle of the series that Noah kicked us off last week. We're calling it Spiritual Habits. Um, and just looking at different spiritual habits that we can practice as followers of Jesus um, to foster a relationship with Jesus. I think where spiritual habits get off, off base or we miss the point is when we let them become uh, the task that, that, that is to be completed rather than a tool to, get to the end goal. Right? The end goal of, uh, for us is we're followers of Jesus. We want to be fostering a relationship with Jesus. Right? That's, that's how Jesus changes our hearts. That's how we shift and mold. That's how we uh, get on mission with Him. That's how we have a, a life of, of uh, impact and a life that makes a difference. It comes back from our fostering our relationship with God, being fully known by God and knowing God more. Right? We, we talk about this all the time. Know God. And follow God. Like that, that's the goal of a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're trying to create. So when we look at spiritual habits, it's not about reading your Bible, like Noah talked about last week. It's not about just praying. It's about using those as a tool for something greater, which is foster relationship with God. Right? Because the reality is you could read your Bible and pray every day and, and be really diligent and militant about it. And you could be not any more like Jesus a year from now than you are today. You may miss the point. It always comes back to relationship. I always come back, am I fostering a relationship with my God? Are we having genuine conversations so He can work into in, in the deepest parts of my soul and change me into who He's calling me to be? Right? But it always comes back to relationships. It's not the task to be completed. Though we'll, we'll cover Scripture. We covered Scripture last week. We're going to talk about prayer today. And we'll talk about community next week. We'll talk about fasting. Um, how do we use these as tools? But relationships, relationship. And if you've gone through culture course, you've, you've probably seen this. When we talk about what are the keys to relationship. You can put this slide up on the screen. But all relationship, if we're going to have healthy relationship, it needs to have expressed love. Like we need to show our love to the other person. And hopefully in healthy relationship, that love is being shown back to us, right? Um, God functions in the same way. Relationship is relationship. I show God love and God shows me love. I show God love by giving time, uh, by, by giving proper worship. Like that's how I love God. Um, living in a line with who he's called me to be, that's how I love God. Relationship is relationship. <clears throat> we give in trust, right? You can't have healthy relationship if we don't trust each other, right? You can have a form of relationship, but not depth, we're not going to get to the root of, of really being known by somebody else and knowing somebody else. Same with God. We have to choose to trust God. There has to be consistent communication. That's where prayer comes into play today, and we'll talk about that. There needs to be shared vulnerability. There needs to be honest conversation. I have to let them see the real me, and that's terrifying to most of us, right? Like letting, letting that part out, that, that kind of exposed piece of like, who, this is who I am. That's hard with people. That's hard with God. That's hard with ourselves. But it's so important if we want healthy, deep relationship. There needs to be time. It takes time to build a relationship. Um, just like it takes time to build a relationship with a friend. You know, you meet with them once and your friend leave, but are you really friends? Probably not. Um, but a years go by as you continue to spend time with each other and that relationship deepens and it strengthens and there's, there's some depth and, and excitement to it. That's the same thing with God. As you start fostering a relationship with God, it doesn't, 
It doesn't happen like that. It isn't instantaneous. It feels awkward at first, just like when you're meeting someone new you haven't met before, right? It, 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 that's, that's the reality of relationship. God plays by the same rules. And last is chosen dependence. Am I going to depend on God? Am I going to depend on that other person? I'm going to give up a little bit of control of my own life and, and allow that person to lead or allow that person to be relied upon. Right? For, for a lot of us, myself included, this is a big one. I don't need to depend on people. That seems scary and terrifying. Same thing with God. I don't want to depend on God. That seems scary. And ter- what happens if he has a different plan that I want done? That's terrifying. But that's what we've been called to do. And this is relationship. We talk a lot about relationship here at Hill City. Relationship with each other and relationship with God. God plays by the same rules. And as we go through these spiritual habits, these are the tools that we use to foster that relationship with God. So as Noah talked about last week, and we're talking through reading Scripture, I don't just read Scripture to read Scripture. I don't read it for more information and knowledge. I read it to connect with God, to allow that be a jumping off point for more conversation. Right? When we talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about prayer today, like it's not just a, what I ask God for. The reality is majority of the world prays. Whether they, they, they know God or don't know God, they pray. Um, when life gets hard, that's, there's something innate about praying. I'm just, I need help. I don't know what else to do. I need God to show up. And we all pray in that way. And I'm not saying asking God for things is bad, uh, but there's so much more to it. There's so much greater depth that can be found inside of it that we can genuinely foster real, genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. Like how mind-boggling is it that God, the dude that spoke the world into existence, wants to talk to us. Like you, peon, little, tiny, you know, as... as uh, uh, scripture says, like, you're a blink of an eye, right? You're here one day, gone the next. And God wants to know you. And God wants you to know him. That's mind-boggling in itself. But that's the access that we have. And I think so often we take advantage of it. Or we take it for advantage. We, we don't actually pursue these things or, or, or spend time doing these things. We find other things to fill our time rather than actually talking with God. But we're going to be in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6 today. This is a famous, uh, famous verses on, um, on um, prayer. Um, this is in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7. These verses are essentially um, all the, the primary teaching of Jesus pushed into one place. Uh, most scholars don't believe this actually was a sermon on a mound. He didn't preach all these things in one thing. Um, but a lot of them are kind of coming together <clears throat> in one place. But before we get there, let me give you some background of why prayer is important. Over and over again, um, we see Jesus sneaking away to be by himself to talk to the Father. I don't know about you, but if Jesus needs to be spending time with God, my assumption will be we probably need a thousand times more than that. He's Jesus. But also often we, we don't do these things. right? We've believed the lies, whatever the lies are that the enemy is throwing at us, that I don't have enough time, I can't get up early enough, I can't do whatever, I, I have all these other responsibilities I have to take care of, I don't know where to fit God in. But the reality is if, if it mattered to us, we'd find time to do it right? I love hockey season. It's, it's like 60 days away right now, uh, which is fantastic. The Avs should have another great season. We're going to be going for the cup again. I love NHL hockey. You know what I make time for? NHL hockey. I watch hockey games and I make sure to find time 
to watch hockey games. Maybe it's not always dedicated time, or I'm not sitting in front of, I'm doing something else, but it's on the TV. I find time because it matters to me. If our relationship with God actually mattered to us, we would find time, regardless of how crazy life is. And it might not be hours upon hours of time. It may be five minutes here and five minutes there and five minutes there, but I'm trying to foster a relationship within those five minutes. If it mattered to me, I would take the time to do it. And that's just the reality of it. But we see Jesus over and over again going away and spending time with God. And if Jesus does it, we should, we should do the same thing. We need that time. We need that strength. We need that encouragement. We need that challenge. We need that conviction. All those things that come from that time with Jesus, we need that time. Let's take it. But let's, let's look at how do we actually do this. And we all know, sure, I, I know I need to be praying more. I know I need to be talking to Jesus more. But how do I actually do it? Uh, before we get to those verses, we'll, we'll look at this account again. In Luke chapter 11, um, we see the same, essentially, situation happening. It's not a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's just kind of a random situation, but he uses the same words, so we can assume it's the same moment that he taught his disciples on how to pray. And it says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as, ta- uh, just as John taught his disciples. That's John the Baptist. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes back from his time with with God and his disciples witnesses. They watch this happen and they say, we want what you you, you have. Like, we want to experience this thing. Like, how do I do what you just did? How do I pray? See, these are just ordinary men starting this crazy journey of what prayer could bring into their lives. Because these these are the guys that, that would intercede until the building shook. This is the group of people that prayed that Peter would, would, be, would escape from a maximum security prison in the most miraculous way possible. These are the same group of people as they're starting this journey that even when someone would barely touch their shadow or their handkerchief, they'd be healed. They'd receive all kinds of revelation about this change in culture and this change in paradigms. It's a group of people that we now stand on the shoulders of today that the church still exists because they had faith and that they were praying people relying on God and watching what God can do. There's power in our prayers. There's power in, in, in what God is willing to do on our behalf when we ask Him for these things. But it's even deeper than that. And we see this in, starting in verse 5 of Matthew 6. This is Jesus talking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then, the fa- then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This isn't like monetary rewards. It's not going to be like, hey, here's another $100 in your bank account. But as you spend time with God, there's a, there's a life change that happens in, in your own heart. You have more peace. You have more patience. You have kindness, gentleness, self-control. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think that um, they will be heard because of their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This isn't on the screen, but you can write this straight down. Uh, this comes from uh, a guy named Pete. He wrote a book on how to pray. Our, our, uh, my men's group for the summer has been going through this book. But it says this, prayer should be simple. It should be honest. It should be straightforward. And it should be from the heart. It should be simple, honest, straightforward, and from the heart. Don't overcomplicate it. It's a conversation. You're just talking to your father. That's it. Don't, you don't have to use fancy words. I don't have to be able to stand in front of people and be like, this is the most beautiful prayer I've ever heard. It just needs to be honest. It needs to be genuinely how you feel. Tell God what's going on. I don't have to pr- approach God with, with a perfection. and be like, God, look how awesome your servant is. Look how good and how held together he is. No, I can be like, God, I am falling apart and I have no idea what to do next. We're honest in our prayers. Or God, this sin keeps coming back and I keep falling into it. Anger is always my first emotion. God, help me deal with this. It's honest. It's genuine. It's simple. But let's look at how do we pray. We're going to keep it really simple. We're going to create an acronym out of it because it's simple and easy. And everyone remembers acronyms. First one's this. It's in verse 6. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Step one of prayer. We need to pause. We need to get away from the world for a moment. This world is loud. Oh, honey, I'm louder than you. Uh, (laughs) This world is loud. There's a lot of things coming at us. We have to find those places where we can get away and clear our minds and hear and be with God. Right? The psalmist tells us in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. We have to still our hearts and still our minds. I'm not saying, and, and for some of us, it's like, I'm going to pick this place in my house and this is where I pray. Right? You've heard of this idea of like uh, prayer closets or um, what was the famous, there's a famous movie out about prayer. What do they call them? War rooms? War rooms. <clears throat> um, th- this place that we've, we've dedicated to, to praying, which can be that. But it could also be just a mindset that you find. Right? For me, it's a smell. So I, my mom's like, what is the smell? <laughs> Chill, mother. It's a good smell. Uh, but it's frankincense and myrrh. That's, it's the smell. And I've trained my brain, because I smell it when I go to, to spend time with God, I've trained my brain that this is God time, wherever that happens to be. Whether it's sitting at my desk at home or here at the church or sitting at Starbucks or sitting in my living room, um, though a lot of my furniture is here, so there's not a lot of room, furniture left in my living room. But it's finding those moments where I can pause. Here's the practical step of it. When you go to spend time with God and your your mind's racing, right? You have all these things you got to accomplish for the day. You have all these things you're going on. Get a notepad out, write them down really quick and deal with them later. They'll be okay. Right? If you have work, you know, work demands or you have family demands or or whatever those demands may be in life, the reality is you, you can sacrifice some of those things for the sake of this relationship because you're going to be a better employee. You're going to be a better spouse. You're going to be a better friend if you're spending more time with Jesus. We need it. So we have to find time and make it a priority. If it matters to us, we'll find the time. And then Jesus goes into what does the prayer actually look like? Uh, the greatest prayer for the history of time. I'll read it through and then we'll break it apart. He says, then, uh, this then is how you should pray. 
Our Father, in, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's look at that, that first verse there in verse 9 again. And this is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, holy, set apart. No one like you, God. Um, step two, as we're praying, we've, we've paused, we've found time, we've, we've, we've created moments for us in God. Second thing is we want to rejoice. We want to give God proper credit for who God is. Right? He is Father in heaven. He is no one like him. He is in full control. Here's questions you can ask yourself um, to talk to God about. How have I seen God's love today? Or have I, how have I seen God's love in the last 24 hours? Or how have I seen God's love in the last week? Can I praise him for that? Where have I seen God's power at work, whether in my life or in somebody else's life? And praise him for that. Praise him for who he is. We know who he is. He's provider. He's protector. Right? He's the good father. We can praise him for those things. And, and setting our minds to be reminded of who God actually is changes how we pray when we start asking God for things. Right? If I don't think God is all-powerful, I'm going to pray simple, easy prayers. So I'm like, well, I don't know if God can handle this one. This one seems pretty big. I'll take care of this part, God, but you guys, I don't know, take care of that little part over there. Right? If I don't believe God is loving, I don't believe he's caring, I don't believe he cares about the, the aspects of my life, I'm not going to talk about my life because I don't think he cares. That's why it's so important that we rejoice in these moments, that, that we put God back on his throne where he rightfully deserves to be because it changes how I interact with him. And that's the reality of so much of these spiritual habits in general. Where I don't spend time with God because I think God doesn't care. I think God is vindictive. I think whatever, whatever the lie that I've believed that keeps me from wanting to be with him, because I, I would argue that you should want to be with him. There, there's no one better. Spending time with God is pretty incredible when we do it in fostering a relationship. Not always easy. There's definitely hard moments of vulnerability and honesty and God convicting. But there's also moments where strength is given and peace is placed upon you. But oftentimes we don't get to those places because we believe the lies of the enemy. We'll get to, we'll get to that prayer here in just a second. But we rejoice. We put God on his proper throne. Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Step three of prayer is to ask. The first part of the ask is asking him, God, where in my life is it not aligned with your will, your heart? Right? Your kingdom come. We want your will, God, to be done here on earth and is in heaven. And a good chance of your will being, not being done right now in my life is me. There's a good chance that I'm the stumbling block. So God, where in my life am I not aligned? God, what thoughts do I have that don't align with who you are in, in the direction that you have us going? Let that be the prayer and the conversation. I, I firmly believe you ask God that question, he's going to answer it because like he wants you to change. He wants to see your heart. He wants you to, to get to the fullness of hope uh, in this life. He's going to help you figure out those places. And sometimes it's an onion. 
right? We see the first, we see the first layer and we're like, okay, we're good. And we realize, oh, we got to dig a little bit deeper. We got to pull more, more, more layers off and more layers off to get to the true uh, crutch of that, that issue. Um, but God will walk with you in the midst of those things. But it's aligning our will with, with his. Asking is also about asking for the small things. God, I got this meeting today that I'm kind of stressing about. Would you give me peace? God, I have, I have this thing going on. Would you provide confidence that I can stand up to that thing? God, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm worrying about you know, how this situation might play out. Would you give me peace? Ask for the little things. But remember, God's a big God. So ask him for the big things, the seasonal things. It takes a little bit extra work on our behalf to keep asking and keep petitioning God. We just came out of a series of looking at the life of Jesus. We talked a lot about faith and asking God for the big things. But don't forget to ask God for the big things. Watch what he can do. Oftentimes it takes a lot of prayer on our behalf for God to intervene in that thing. Not because God doesn't care, but there's a work in you God is trying to do to get to that place. But we ask. We ask for the little things for us and for others. We ask for the big things for us and for others. We ask, where are we not currently aligned with his will and his heart for the people? In verse 12. (coughs) Sorry. Verse 12. I think I'm dying. I'm not sure. Um, We'll find out. I would assume you'd find out if you were dying. (laughs) Eventually catches up with you. Uh, Verse 12. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive us of our sin, as we've also forgive those that have sinned against us. If you continue in these verses, we won't read them today, but if you don't forgive others for the, the sins they've caused against you, it makes it really difficult for God to forgive you, right? Like there's, there's that reciprocal action here. There's a level of grace that Christians are, are required to live with. Uh, verse 13, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think also often the temptation piece was always like practical sin for me, right? God, lead me away from whatever that sin is that I constantly go back to, right? Lead me away from that thing. But, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's also lead me away from God, the lies that I'm believing. God, all the enemy's attacks and how he gets it in. The enemy doesn't really have uh, the same effect on today's world because he doesn't have to work as hard. That's the reality of it. Like, he doesn't have to come in and destroy nations. He doesn't have to come in and, and, and uh, wreak havoc in, in grand, uh, uh, exciting ways. You know, he just plants a little lie in your mind, and that's just enough for us. And we fall apart. God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he would do this. Right? God doesn't care. God, remember, God let this happen in your life. How would a loving God do that? Right? It's fighting back those lies. I know I gave you that dream, but like God's not gonna, God's not gonna fulfill that dream. That's crazy talk, right? It's these little lies that we believe that keep us stuck in this place from accomplishing and seeing what God can do in us and through us. But yielding, and that's the key of this step four: is God, your will be done. Right? I want to yield my life to yours. God, here's the sins that I'm dealing with. Here's the, the things that I'm struggling with. Here's the lies that I'm believing. God, I want to yield these. I want to put these beside and let your truth ring true. God, it doesn't make sense. I look at your truth and says, I don't know how that applies uh, to this specific situation. God, I don't think you realize all the circumstances that go into this. It can't be that simple. But it's yielding our will to his. 
giving grace to those that have harmed us, that's a hard, that's a hard one. But that's what God called us to do. Because he's shown so much grace to us, we should be showing grace to others. And the reality is when we don't do that, we take that control, we don't yield to God's ways, that keeps you stuck. Keeps you stuck in that mindset, in that place, in those lies. You can't get away from them, you can't break free of them. And then you wonder why, God, where are you in all of this? And God's saying, I'm right here. I need you to take this step. I need you to forgive and let go. I need you to move on. Doesn't diminish the harm that has been caused, but Jesus' sacrifice is greater. We yield our will to His. We ask these questions God, what are you asking me to follow today? God, what's my action step? Here, I, I've read your word and I feel like you've, you've spoken these things and, and I, I've had this conversation with you and we went on to this tangent, to this place and this specific situation. What's my step in it? Here's how the enemy messes you up in that moment. The enemy goes, let me give you the list of 50 things that God wants you to do. And the reality is, they're probably true. At some point, God's going to ask you to do all 50 of those things. But you know what God's not doing today? He's not asking you to deal with all 50 of those things. He's asking you to deal with that one. Follow his lead. It's other questions like this. What sin is he asking me to deal with, to get to the root of, to figure out? And finally, what lie am I believing? We pause. When we pray, we have to find time to get away from the the craziness of life, whether that's physical or in in a mental, emotional place, but we need to find those places to spend time with God. This book that that our our men's group has been reading talks about lighting a a candle uh, when they they spend time with God and, and watching this candle move. And that's like their representation in their head to communicate with God. Like not that God is in the candle, but that's the reminder to come back to God. So no matter where they are, they light the candle and they can talk with God. That's the thing that clicks in their head. For me, it's, it's having my Bible, it's having my pen and my highlighter, and it's having that smell. It doesn't matter where I am, as long as those things are happening, my brain is kicked into time to pause and talk to God. Whether that's happening in the morning or in the afternoon or multiple times throughout the day, depending on how difficult the day is. But that's that pause. And then we rejoice. Give God proper praise. Put him back on his throne. Be reminded that I'm not in control. God's in control. And then we ask. We ask for the big things. We ask for the little things. We ask. And finally, we yield. God, let your will be done. What's my next step? What should I be doing right now? Don't get overwhelmed. Don't let the enemy win. Listen for the voice of God. The beautiful thing is he wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk with you. Now, don't overwhelm yourself. I used to do this when, when I was in my, in my 20s. It's weird to say. I feel like I'm still in my 20s. We'll just say that I am. Let's all believe the lie. <clears throat> that laugh was pretty loud in the back. <laughs> um, but I used to think like it had to be like this perfect moment for me to spend time with God. Right? And if I couldn't have this perfect moment, I just wasn't going to spend time with God. So if it wasn't at least like 30 minutes block of time, if the music wasn't perfectly right, like that worship song just wasn't hitting right, it wasn't, I wasn't ready to spend time with God. God will take anything, anything. 
as little amount of time that you're willing to give him, he would love to spend that time with you. Love to spend that time with you. And as much time as you would give him, he would love to spend that time with you. Here's the key. Make sure the time keeps increasing. That's it. If you can start with two minutes tomorrow, right? You, you get up for, for your morning bathroom, you know, whatever, and you got two minutes to spend time with God. And that's the only moment you can find. Take the two minutes. God would be ecstatic to spend two minutes with you. And then as you do that day after day after day, it's going to increase because you're going to enjoy it. You're going to see the change in your own life. And you'll get to 10 minutes. And you'll get to 15 minutes. And then you're going to start canceling meetings and appointments because you want to make sure you spend time with God during this time. And this isn't their time anymore. It's God's time. And the time's going to increase and it's going to grow. And you're going to be blown away by what God speaks to you in those moments. We talk about this idea on a regular basis. Journal these conversations so you can go back to them. It's so easy for us to, to be changed by God and miss the fact that we've been changed. Right? All this time goes by and you're like, yeah, I've just always been this way. I've always been this patient. I've always been this kind. And then you go back and you're able to see this in a journal or in your Bible written down. You're like, oh, I wasn't. I was mean and angry. And look what God has done. So write these things down. When, when you're spending time with God and you feel like God's telling you something, write that down. That matters. Right? There's two different types of, of words from God. We have logos or logos, which is the recorded word of God. Noah talked about this last week. And then we have a, a, another word that just means the, the essence of who God is. And we see this when, when Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes to the mouth of God. That isn't, that isn't a, you know, a logos, you know, recorded word. That is God speaking to you in the moment. Still truth. Don't get me wrong, you can get really dangerous in this area of truth, right? It needs to still align with Logos. We have the written word. It's God's not going to change his mind on something. But this communication, this conversation that we get to have. So we, we pause, we rejoice, we ask, and we yield. Here's my challenge for you today. If you're not spending any time with God now, if you're like, yeah, I think I prayed at dinner time last night. That counts. It doesn't. <laughs> I don't pray at meals because... Uh, to really to prove a point of like, hey, I don't pray at meals because if that's the only time I'm going to talk to God, I've done something seriously wrong. But in all reality, if that's the only time you're giving him, yeah, he'll take it. He just wants to spend time with you. I think all too often we're just saying some words before we eat some food so we feel good about ourselves rather than talking to the Almighty. But my challenge is find time. And if that means you need to put a calendar event on your calendar, put a calendar event on your calendar and, and make that time sacred. Don't let anything come up. Come into it or around it. Figure out what, what is, where is my place going to be? Can it be a physical place? And that's where I go. It could be in the back of my closet or, or in a spare bedroom or, or wherever it happens to be in a specific chair. Like this is where I talk to God is in this chair. But find time. And if you're spending time with God now, I applaud you. You're in the minority, unfortunately but you're already seeing the change. I'm assuming you're already wanting to spend more time with him. If it's not consistent time, make it consistent. Let that be your next step, right? If you're not spending time with God daily, like that's the goal. We need, we need Jesus daily. Just like Jesus needed the father daily. We got to find that time. And if you're like, wow, Josh, I don't know how I'm going to fit time with Jesus in the day. Get up 10 minutes earlier. But Josh, you don't understand how much sleep I need to have energy. Do you not think God will give you energy? 
you know, God, you don't think God will honor that time you're giving him with what you need to be able to get through the day? Of course he will. That's who he is. He's a good father. But find that time to spend with him. Write it on your calendars now. Find that time of this is when I'm going to do it. Make it consistent. Make it often. Make sure it's constantly growing because that's what relationship does, right? Right? When I build a relationship with somebody and I like them, you want to spend more time with them. That's just the reality of relationship. If you're not spending time with Jesus or you're just performing tasks rather than actually trying to foster relationship through his tasks, that may be the issue. You're not actually being with Jesus. You're just reading your Bible because that's what good Christians do. You're just praying because that's what good Christians do. I'm not choosing vulnerability. I'm not being consistent with my communication. I'm not doing these things to foster relationship. I've let the end goal be the task rather than the relationship. You want to see your life transformed and changed. You want to see who God has really created you to be. You want to see the things that constantly bar you down, the insecurities that take a hold. You want to see those start to lose power. Start spending time with Jesus and watch what he's able to do. You'll be blown away. And you'll, you'll look at the things that he asks you to do and they'll seem random and weird and they don't seem to connect. And a few months goes by and you're like, wow, I haven't thought about that in forever. That's what Jesus does. Let me pray for you. Father God, God, we thank you that um, you want to spend time with us. As mind-boggling and as crazy as that even sounds, God, that's why your son went to the cross. So thank you. God, thank you for um, listening to our prayers, but God, also thank you for talking back. God, thank you that this is a genuine relationship and we can find strength, we can find peace, we can find power, we can find confidence. God, in the midst of that relationship, God, let us wake up tomorrow thinking about this single idea that we just need to spend time with you. God, we need to pull out your word, and even if it's just a sentence I'm able to get through, that sentence is going to have power, and you can speak through it. As the Hebrew writer says, your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow straight to the heart. So you read it, you convict, you challenge, you encourage, you get to the root of the issue. God, let us be a people that are marked by you because we spend time with you. God, let us be a people that love so well because we spend time with the one that loves the best. God, let, me, let us be people that are full of wisdom, that speak into things that even shock us, the words that are coming out of our mouth because they're just so perfect and good because we spend time with the one who is full of all wisdom. God, we love you. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us to be spending time with you in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Thank you.